you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. That's a little uh, snippet from the Clark Sisters, Center of Thy Will, which was featured in the beginning of Beyonce's song, Church Girl, which I love dearly. Thank you so much for tuning in again to Surviving Fundamentalism, the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible... And you most likely, probably, you will have a problem with this shit. I am the Right Reverend Richie X. And let's get started. This is season three, episode one. And I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to converse with you all again. I'm excited for the show Going into a third season, huh? Who would have thunk it? Uh, you know, I've talked about several times on episodes in the past. Um, me, you know, and the reasons why I started this show. I'm now recording from my couch. Um, I used to record from my laptop. But uh, I'm trying to prioritize comfort um, because, you know, pre-diagnosis and pre-medication, I used to believe that in order to be, well, I had to believe that I needed to make myself completely uncomfortable in any workspace because uh, a lack of comfort generally means more productivity. Um, And that did work for me. You know, it's how I got through college. Making myself uncomfortable often meant if there is no comfort, I can force myself to finish this book. I can force myself to finish writing this essay because the reward is the comfort. And so it's like, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to get it done to my level of satisfaction and then I can be comfortable. But I realized the way that that makes me look at the things that I do and the things that I want to do 
it makes me look at them like, oh, I'm going to have to experience pain while I do this thing. And it makes me not want to do the thing. So I'm trying to do the thing in a more comfortable space. And today that means I'm recording from the couch and um, not the desk because my desk chair just isn't comfortable. And um, it also feels, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just triggers that whole like lock yourself in this very uncomfortable space until you finish everything you need to finish and then you can come out, um, which I am progressing away from. So glad to be back in your listening ears. Um, if you've never heard of me, I am a queer, non-binary, autistic, really cool person who still plays with Legos and believes in the power of adult coloring books. And I'm also looking for a husband. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, and, um, I work for the, uh, government and, you know, I'm, I'm out here, I'm here, I'm queer and I'm in your listening ear. Um, I think it's imperative that I go ahead and get right into the, the conversation point of today because we have a lot to talk about. Um, but before I do that, I want to thank you all so much for listening to, uh, the final episode of 2022, um, where I discussed my first time ever celebrating Christmas and what that journey was like for me. Um, it's less than an hour. Um, if you haven't heard it, please take the time to go listen to it. It's really cool. Um, and I'm just explaining that, you know, how it is like as an adult to celebrate Christmas again after being in a cult that didn't believe in celebrating Christmas after growing up Muslim and also not celebrating Christmas. Um, and so what it felt like for me to partake fully um, in the Christmas journey, if you will, um, and so, yeah, um, I'm excited. Uh, so now we discussed this tweet, um, either in the first season or last season, we, um, the tweet I'm going to talk about, but it has kind of re-inspired, um, uh, several different thoughts as I wanted to, to, to dive into that. So this, uh, tweet is a tweet by the name of Joel, by a guy by the name of Joel Liam. Um, and uh, he says, I never saw my mother walk on water, but I saw her wait for the bus in the snow to pay the rent. We define holy differently. And um, I believe in the last time we discussed this, we really went into uh, feminism uh, um, um, but I wanted, I wanted to talk about this again because I think this is a very, very powerful tweet. Um, and, and what the tweet does is really seeks to deconstruct the way in which we viewed holiness which we view holiness or we've been taught about holiness. Um, when I think of the word holy, 
um, holiness. Um, I am always triggered by because holy for me means enough and holiness is a trigger word that is often used in a way that is intended to let you know that you are not enough because if God is holy, God is enough, right? God is the end all be all. God is everything. Um, you know, we used to sing, God is my all. You know, God is my all in all. Like, this is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the ending, right? And and holiness is is the 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 act of being enough for me, right? That's how I kind of view it and have always viewed it. And so when we talk about um, holiness, are you living holy? Uh, the word of God says, be ye holy for I am holy. Come on, somebody, you know, and, and the way that, you know, I come to view this word is, um, enoughness. Um, are you enough? Are you living like you are enough? Are you pleasing in the sight of God? Um, are you like God? Are you all in all? Are you enough? And so I don't, and so I never felt holy. Um, when I did feel holy, according to my own definition, um, and according to the my definition is what I believe was taught, um, because I come from a holiness apostolic Pentecostal church. And so my definition of this is the way it was taught. You ought to be holy. Uh, the Bible says, the scripture says, you got to be holy. Come on, somebody. Um, and so it is about what you do. And, but it is not only what you do. It is all that you are. All of your thoughts, the sum total of your being, all that you think, all that you are, all that you do. And are you all of those things, and the answer is nine times out of ten going to be no, and therefore you are not holy, therefore you are not enough, because you are not pleasing in the sight of your God, who is all of those things. Um, and so when I think of, and then they even tell you, you know, you know, uh, 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 great is the mystery of godliness. Um for God was manifest in the flesh, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. Um, and so you think, okay, well, 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 then we have some evidence in the man Jesus, right? That God has, uh, was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself is what the scripture tells us. And so, so, and this God was in Christ, like this God gets in us when we receive the spirit of God. And so therefore it makes us enough, but we violate, we seek to, when, and this is a temple that's supposed to house that spirit of enoughness, holy God, spirit, all of that. And, and then, but when we do things, we, seek to corrupt the temple and the spirit cannot dwell in confusion and in darkness. And so when you do all of this long list of things, you are in darkness, therefore your spirit can't dwell with you. But, um, 
this the description says i never leave you know forsake you but then you have people that teach that you can receive the holy ghost but it could be taken from you um because god won't dwell in an unclean temple but um you know paul said my righteousness is as filthy rags come on somebody are you catching into all of this <laughs> are, are you tapping into all of this come on somebody um and so you know, it really is tied to this this idea of of, of not enoughness, right? And so, um, you know, when I think of my God is holy, I think um, my God is so pure that all everything about me in reflection of Him looks like trash, right? This God is so high and mighty and lifted up that that everything about me is not that thing. And so what um, Joel does here is flips that because um, if God is holy and holy is God, and then you telling me that you're a black mama standing on a bus stop in capitalist America to go be underpaid as a poor working class woman in an effort, in a desperate effort of feeding her children is holy she's enough she's enough as she is that's wrong <laughs> not but it is right it, it it's not it's against everything i've been taught because why does she have children and and, and not have a father and, and they don't have a father so was she unholy when she made the children you know my my old church was like do she drink do she smoke do she cuss and she ain't holy but hence the, 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 the idea of deconstruction, because we start to, to, to reframe the way a lot of these things look to us and the way a lot of them feel to us. And we, we, we change that thing about holiness that makes us feel like we are never enough. Never enough, never, never, never enough um, for me. Yeah, so um, it's like, <laughs> I used to feel like God was like singing that to me. Like saying, you're never enough, never, never. You know, like this, this, this declaration that God was never going to be, that I was never going to be enough for God. And so when this... Um, you know, this, this, this Joel kid, he says, you know, my mother's holy. And then I think about the, how the scripture says, the poor you shall have with you always. And, and how Jesus said, bring these, the least of these unto me. Um, you know, Jesus said to have said that bring the least of these to me, the crippled, the poor, the, the, the disabled, the, uh, bring it all, bring it all. I want them all. And the concept of holiness that I came out of is always constantly focused on cleaning you up, purifying you so that God can be in you and with you because you are not good enough for God. You have to be transformed. You have to be transformed. You have to constantly be fighting for your own transformation into what? Into who? Who knows? 
whatever you 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 render as perfect, whoever you envision. Because come on, we don't have enough text. We don't have enough answers about what is holy. There's so many contradictions, but yet we are supposed to be it. We are supposed to strive to be it. And 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 being a single mother standing on a bus stop is is, is in no way holy. Is it? He's taking a word that is used to demonize black men and women and turning it on its head. Holy has always made me feel uncomfortable. Except for when I was pretending to be it. When I was masking, masquerading as someone who was holy, who was godly, who was godlike, someone who was, who, someone who was to be proud of, or forcing myself to do a whole bunch of things that made me uncomfortable because uncomfortable discomfort is godly. Discomfort is good. That's how I was seeing everything. That's how I was seeing the world. Discomfort is good. Because discomfort motivates me, right? That's what we think, right? So as long as we continue to make ourselves uncomfortable, then we must be doing something right. Then God is pleased with us. But here we are, right? We're looking at this poor working class woman who has children at home who is going to work. And going to feed those children and her son is the one that is calling her holy. Now, while my indoctrination is screaming, never, <laughs> could not be. My indoctrination is so deeply rooted, you know, having been a part of a cult. The very idea of a single woman, a single mother being the focal point of holy is awkward to me, right? But being raised by a single mother who worked multiple jobs and at times worked up to 80 hours a week, went to school, got three degrees, now four, raised three children, Overcame drug addiction, domestic violence. Never in my life would I have called it holy. Because one of the things I always thought about was, was too, the struggle. And, 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 and how I, had, I didn't have the things I wanted as a kid. And, it, and, and so, so, so I would have never called it holy. Because I thought holy was wholeness. Holy is when you do everything right. And somehow, if you end up in a situation where you are poor and struggling and having to work 80 hours a week and having to miss pivotal moments in parts of your children's lives, then you are you can't be holy. Or can you? And the thing is, with deconstruction, we get to define that. It is 
when I say flipping it on its head, in the very societies of the text that we that we often read from, that we call holy, right? These women would be considered unholy, unclean, outcast even, unmarried women with children, having to work hard jobs to, 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 to raise the children that they had And um, it you know what that often means is I don't know you know the image of that is what like 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 supposed to be negative. And you know what I think about too is like what I say the indoctrination is like booming always. Um, is is there's a scripture that says, "Woe unto him who who calls the unclean clean." And like that's considered this thing, right? But then like the whole point of the message of Jesus, right, is is that you don't have the right to 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 call a thing. Uh, that he has called useful, unclean. He told Peter that when he was asleep, I believe on the rooftop. Who are you? Who are you to call this thing? I told you to take and eat. You said it's unclean. What gives you the right to call a thing that 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 has been created and is useful and nourishing to the body unclean? Especially using these sort of legalistic ideas these laws right that are supposedly fulfilled in Jesus and so here we are back at square one and I and and, 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 I, and I go you know what is it <laughs> you know and and, and 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 what's the work that we do? to get us to enoughness. I don't know. You know, I'm still working through my own indoctrination and surviving fundamentalism in the ways in which it has its roots in me. But I, I, I've focused that energy and recentered that energy into my whole overall healing and the unification of myself, the oneness of self, and in the oneness of self and in my real life, outside of the context of the scripture, of the ideas of holy that I had, of the not enoughness that fundamentalism always made me out to be as a queer, neurodivergent, disabled black person who is working class poor. So I'm I, as I seek to unify all of that in my real life, in the fullness of all that I am and all that I have and all that I know, I, I, I can declare myself holy. 
Come on, somebody. And I and I and I can declare my mother holy. Because who else if not us? Who else if not those who have survived? Some of the darkest moments. Who else? So when I think of holiness, you know, in, 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 in all of who I am today and not who I used to think I was or used to think I was going to be, one day I was going to, to prove myself enough to a God who I believed a tyrant. Um, but in who I am today, I'm holy. So possibly, you know, the conversation could be, could be very much so, woe unto me, who is called myself holy. I'm enough. And I'm enough for me. I'm enough for me in all of my own goodness and all that I strive to be every day. I do not desire to be rattled. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so easily rattled. So I don't desire to be to be rattled or shaken or stirred by the ideas of legalism and Christian fundamentalism and the heresy that is biblical literalism. But it's very interesting when you are when you are deconstructing, it's like imperative that you that you continue the work of that because it is so easy to to look at it all and say to, to, you know what to hell with it I'm going you know I I I I want to go back I want things to be simple again but as somebody who's gone back um on their deconstruction journey several times it it doesn't really It got easier a little bit for me because I stopped pretending. Like the goal was not to pretend to be heterosexual or to pretend to be anything I wasn't. So it was a little easier, but it was still very difficult because all of who you are is not acceptable in those spaces. And you have, you have to either be apologetic for who you are and what you are and how you show up or how you choose to show up in the world. Especially when you've been doing your work and you know none of those people have. None of those people have, have not touched an inch of introspection. And you know it. You can feel it. You know when you interact with them. They've done no work. They don't even question the things that they believe. 
Not in any real way. Because it shakes the foundation too much. And they don't want to have a shaky foundation. They want to have a firm foundation. You know, they, they, the belief is, the foundation of their belief systems are often that they, that they have it all. <laughs> that they know it all. That, that their idea of God is the only idea of God that's acceptable. But in that idea of God, no, that woman could never be holy, neither could I. But today I'm 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 holy. Holy. Altogether whole. Enough. Not fragmented, not broken, not ashamed. I am whole. And so Some of the things I think I consider is that, like, he's like, his, you know, he's talking about his mother being, you know, in the snow, going to work. And to him, that's holy. I also see holy as beauty. Beauty. Death. The clarity of what must be done. Knowing it and doing it. And, 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 and in that case, all black women are holy. Even the ones who don't know it. Because the, 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 the judgment brought on by the worldwide, the worldview of white American capitalist propaganda that's sold to us in television and in films and in all forms of media. You know, and in one end, it's sold to us in all these forms of media while continuing continuing to remove and extract resources and programs and things that we need in order to move forward and get ahead while lifting white people up to continue to make that idea of success and financial success and well-being a reality, right? And so, you know, they're pulling it from us and 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 then you got you know it's like a bitch taking your shoes before a track meet and then telling you run with the rest of them and let's see how far you get and then they go oh she couldn't compete <laughs> couldn't compete she's just not as good every once in a while a bitch will run win the race with no shoes but in reality, a lot of the time, most of them ain't. And they're going, oh, they're just not as good as us. They're just not as smart as us. It's capitalism, baby. We all got to sink or swim. And, do, and, 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 and many people are saying this out of ignorance without understanding that the dice are loaded. That the, that the game is rigged. The, the the winning hand is always with the white man. And there's a role that, that white evangelicalism plays in all of this. 
you know, white Christianity, um, which is pretty much all American Christianity and beyond. Um, you know, it's a role that, that that plays in all of this. It's an institutional role, and I've been talking about it, um, especially a lot within the last season of this show. That role is is heavy. Um, because it is designed to constantly let you know that because you are standing on a bus stop in the snow and you don't have a car and you are freezing and you're scraping together pennies so your children can survive that you are never holy. And you'll never be holy and you'll never be worthy of being called holy because you alone are the reason you don't have no shoes. What they won't tell, uh, uh, what's not shown or what's not known to everybody is that they intentionally removed the locks off of all black folks locker in the locker room Therefore, causing things, uh, uh, other things to be able to have access to and take from your resources. So now that's the reason why you don't have the appropriate gear you need in order to compete on the same level as everybody else. So we, 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 we define holy differently. It's still difficult for me to, and I'm becoming emotional. It's still very difficult for me to, to think about the women who work twice as hard. And, and call them holy. But it's getting easier <laughs> the more I talk about it. It's getting easier for me to see. Because I realized the, the intention was to demonize these people. The intention is always to cause that person to feel shame in this situation. And to have their pain amplified by the pain in their physical bodies from the labor that they do and from standing in the cold in the dead of winter. So, I think in, in flipping that, in flipping the way we define it, we are radicalized in declaring yourself whole and declaring ourselves whole as black poor folks, working class folks who are deliberately stolen from often and told run nigga run To declare it holy anyway. 
black women who are the most dis disrespected uh, people on the planet to call them holy anyway. Because the white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy will do things like kill, exterminate all of the men, create and enforce the preschool to prison pipeline, use this uh, uh, system and, and, and all these laws to feed that system and feed men to that system. Most of these men who are within that system are, are men who have had undiagnosed disabilities and have often been intentionally neglected and bust like they carry trash to the trash dump, they just bust them. Take them out the standard classroom, don't want to give them the help they need, bust them. Constantly allow them to sit in these spaces and 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 and, and, and take from uh and, and never giving them the resources that they need and and then saying run, Negro, run. And when they see no point in running anyway, as many will not, many will look alongside them and say, this is not fair. And when they choose to walk away and get, or when they choose to engage the race in the ways they want to, like stealing their shoes back, going and getting the shoes from taking the shoes from somewhere. Now you have a reason to lock them up and then everybody goes, well, they deserved it because you do the crime, you do the time as if everything is just balanced, but white people, particularly working class white people who are the f most foolish of them all really need to believe that the condition of black um, and uh, Native Americans is really on all of us. Their ideas of this bootstrap shit is lost in the fucking sauce. They're completely clueless at all of the bullshit but desire to remain that way because to understand it and accept it and process it in in reality is um like a guilty by association and that's when when they start getting it and they start hearing it and it starts sinking they're, they're supposed to, am i supposed to apologize for being white I didn't choose to be white. I'm just white. When it starts sinking in, that's the kind of shit they start saying. Um, because it it is like a reckoning. You know, and that James Baldwin said one of the greatest things we could ever do is teach white people white history. And not the whitewashed version, not the you know, 
the watered down version, but the real version. Because teaching so-called white people that they are white and how they have performed in the name of that whiteness is a major reckoning that many people live their entire lives striving to avoid. Or they hold the door for, for black men like me who smile at the grocery store and they go, yeah, <laughs> I did a good thing for color today. You know, or they go out of their way to speak to me um, because they don't want to be perceived as that kind of white person. I don't mind people speaking to me. I speak, I speak to anybody pretty much I make eye contact with. I, at least I try, um, you know, as a part of my own socialization and surviving in the world, you know, as an autistic person. It's like I, I have learned and realized that if you make eye contact with people, you should speak to them. So I do. Um, or, you know, I hate to make eye contact in the first place, but that's a whole other conversation for a whole nother day and a whole nother kind of show, honey. But, yeah. I want to take a little break and I want to come back. Um... You know, so after these messages, I'll be right back. There is not one single thing that has ever happened to you or will happen to you that will be wasted. Everything is there showing up to make you more of who you were meant to be. None of us were meant to be common. We were born to be comets, darting across space and time, leaving our mark as we crash into everything. A crater is a reminder that something amazing happened right here. If you ever want to hear one of the best gospel songs of all times, you have to uh, uh, listen to Milton Brunson's. If you Google, come on in this house, it's going to rain. The greatest gospel song ever made, ever. I mean, they are rocking, you know, it just the the choir is rocking. Everything about it is rocking. That's Milton Brunson. Milton Brunson's. Uh, it might be called "It's Gonna Rain." For whatever reason, I can't locate my phone right now. So you all gonna have to take it for what it is. M. So we're back. We're talking about um, defining holy differently. And like I said earlier, you know, the more that I talk about it and what it means to define holy differently, because originally what I was saying was that I, I was struggling, you know, like, you know, at first with this idea, but I know that that is the, the brainwashing of white supremacist male capitalism, right? So there's all of that in there, right? Whatever, you know, I'm I'm not a male, I'm non-binary. Um, 
I'm not a man. I'm non-binary. And so, you know, I'm also not heterosexual, but I was raised and socialized as a man. You know, and so what that means is that I, being socialized and raised as a man, um, a lot of the, you know, and, and so all of us have internalized uh, sexism, internalized misogyny, um, particularly as a black person having some internalized misogyny war, right? And, 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 and as a black person, who is educated and intelligent, right? Having this sort of, um, you know, being, you know, having this sort of shoe in uh, uh, for, for you know, to the bourgeois, the, you know, the bourgeoisie, right? This, because I have the, the, edu- the, the language of the educated, right? I, I'm able to tap into, um, academia and what that means, right? And like what, and all the information that is aligned with that. And so that gives me a privilege there too. And so there's so much that like oftentimes my bourgeois, you know, uppity, upper, upper middle class ass, you know, now I'm upper middle class. But, you know, um, when I was younger, you know, growing up, you know, I was always viewing the negative of these situations. The fact that my mother had to work so much as she wasn't there. The fact that I was virtually raising myself and often uh, raising my siblings. The fact that I was some sort of pseudo stand-in parent for when my mother wasn't around for my siblings and for myself. And so what that meant to me often was a resentment that gets turned around on all black people. Because that's who I know. That's who I'm raised around, right? So so that resentment is like, all you motherfuckers fucked up. And then I look at the world and I look at the television and what the people on television show me is that those people who live in the suburbs and who are on my television all goddamn day, they got it together. And why your ass couldn't get it together? What the fuck is wrong with y'all that y'all couldn't get it together and keep it the fuck together? Well, 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 my black mother is being paid three times as less as everybody else. She's getting paid less than the white man, less than the black man, and less than the white woman. Right? And so, so my, regardless of the amount of education she had, she's still having to work 70, 80 hours a week. Now, regardless of the fact that my mother wasn't eventually, eventually became an associate director of a um uh, a youth correctional facility but they eventually became while working like a dog and sacrificing her time with us in order to do that but none of that is on the table for a child that is experiencing it right and so all of that internalized resentment towards uh my parents um for not being better not doing better or for what they did or what they were doing to me. You know, it simmers. And so what I see often when I look at that is the pain of being broke. The pain of 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 
being a wandering child, the pain of being left alone. Being an autistic child left alone to raise themselves. Being really afraid a lot and feeling like you don't have anybody. And also knowing that you don't have anybody. I mean, you got your mom, but you don't have your mom. You don't have anybody. It's just you. You've got to make it how you make it. You've got to survive how you survive. And life has always been about surviving. Um, And so when I look at those things and the pain that I felt in those times... I, I did not see holy. I saw exhausting. I saw immensely sad. I saw lonely. I saw robbed. But you must know who your enemy is. And my enemy is the white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy. My enemy is not my mother. So my mother is holy because she's a champion at surviving. Joelle's mother is holy because she championed. She ran the race. Jumped the hurdles. Sprinted and did the marathon and threw the shot put and the javelin. With no shoes on. And half a uniform. And still found some success in all of it. And that's why. They're holy. Not because. And so I think too. It comes down to how. We redefine ourselves outside of the light of white supremacy. Because a lot of times we're doing things for white supremacy, capitalist male patriarchy, and we're looking at things through that lens because that's the only lens we've ever had. And so that's why deconstruction and decolonization is so important and it's such a continuous process because sometimes we're looking at the mother standing on the bus stop in the snow because we, 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 we've arrived at a different space and so we're sometimes, sometimes we can find ourselves looking at the mother on the bus stop and saying, why she got so many kids? She knew better than to have all them goddamn kids and she ain't got no money to afford them. And then we're doing that instead of saying why she didn't have access, ample access to parent, Planned Parenthood. Why didn't she have ample access to sex education and resources and birth control? Why wasn't it all free? Why wasn't healthcare free? Why was not her quality education, a quality education given to this woman? Why were not resources granted to this woman? 
because she's a woman, not because of anything else, but because she's a woman and the, and, and the dice are loaded and we all know it. So the fact that she decided to run anyway, she is holy. My God, my God. I could speak in tongues on that right there. She's holy. My mother, who worked two jobs, raised three children, went to school, has four degrees, is holy. Nonetheless, I myself, a queer, non-binary, pansexual, fat, black, disabled person, multiple disabilities. It took me 15 years from the beginning to the end of my bachelor to, to get to complete my full bachelor's degree. I failed one class probably six or seven times. And that kept me from finishing my degree for probably the last, you know, five or six years before 2021. I'm holy. I'm holy. And I got there without having to be what that idea of that God says is enough. I, I, I came as I was and I'm still holy. I, 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 I came with all my burdens and I'm still holy. I came with all of the things that I've had to overcome and am still overcoming because you do not suddenly wake up and you are no longer autistic or, 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 uh, you don't just suddenly wake up and you are delivered from homosexuality. You don't suddenly wake up and you're skinny. <laughs> I don't suddenly wake up and I'm white, but I'm holy anyway. I'm holy. I'm enough. My enoughness is as it is. My mother is holy. You know why? Because even when I fell out the race, sometimes I had to find, I had to buy somebody, I had to buy new shoes. Sometimes those new shoes got stolen and then I, I had to run barefoot for a while and it was real painful and I had to patch up my feet at times and I had to run with bandages on, but I kept running. You know, because the, the, the Bible says, come on, somebody, the, the race is not given to the swift. Nor the battle to the strong. But to those who endure to the end, come on, somebody. And so I think about when I'm running the race that is, uh, that is set before me. 
You know, Paul said, I'll press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Come on, somebody. I ought to not preach up in here today. Come on, come on, come on. We got to start the th the third season off right. I ought, I I I ought to preach up in here. Come on, but I'm I'm you know when I when I think of that you know the thing that says lay aside every weight, Woo! and the sin that does so easily beset you. What is what what is what is the sin in my current fr frame point, my, my my frame point of love, my religion of do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Um, yeah. What is the sin? Self-hate. Internalized misogyny. That in, internalized uh, 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 all, all of the, 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 the isms, right? Internalized homophobia, internalized transphobia, and, 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 uh, all of that, all of it, all of it, all of the isms, all of the obias, child, you know, the Bible says, you, you lay aside every weight. Come on, somebody. You ought to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. Uh, some of y'all listen to this show. Y'all got some internalized uh, uh, racism. All you ain't anti-racist. Come on, somebody. You ought to work through it. You ought to sit and think a while, but you got to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset you. You know, they used to say when I was young, get right with God and do it now. Get right with God and he will show you how. Come on, somebody. You got to get right. We got to get right. We got to lay aside the things that, that cause us trouble. You know, when I was young, I used to, I used to say, and for uh, one of my favorite scriptures when I was a young preacher was, and for the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall <laughs> be revealed in all of us. Come on, somebody. You know, and so, so, uh, when I think about all of these things that, uh, we have conversed about on today, come on, somebody. It brings me to a lot of points and I don't know, this might have to be a part two. Um, because I didn't expect this to go. I had all these notes and but the conversation is so you know what one of the things I really was really brought so much of my own experience into this today um I remember you know one of the things that's come up constantly in media and um you know in internet culture is just this constant like uh, making fun of black women and black culture and the way that black women like engage one another and engage other people and and you know these stereotypical ideas about like black women and being hyper independent and 
you know, all of these things that are essentially survival mechanisms, right? These, these are ways that black women have had to survive in a world where they are literally on the bottom is it's literally free game and fair game to make fun of black women and has been for an enormous amount of time. Many people are doing it. Many people are getting on the internet and mimicking and mocking black women. Most of y'all are liking and laughing and subscribing. And it it's okay to make a mockery of black women. It, it has been. To talk about how loud they are, to talk about how much their hair changes, um, to talk about, you know, to make them this focal point. Um, even in churches, it's very similar. In black churches in particular, because there are a, there's a lot of great community that can be found in the black church, but we can't also in having a conversation about deconstruction and decolonization, we can't honestly have that conversation and and not talk about um, the way religious institutions were used as this sort of iron to to prepare black people for survival in in a white world these sort of societies and and church culture and in these black church ways were really you know places where people got to go and you know really learn how to be how to get themselves jobs and 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 get themselves into spaces they went to church and learned how to play piano and they went to church and 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 uh joined different committees that taught them things and skills that they would ultimately come to use when they were going and navigating in the world and a part of that is sort of the whitewashing you know i often think when when black folks are singing you know, what could wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What what does that mean when it comes to Americans? Are we are we truly rejoicing? Because I, I don't I don't you know this idea of of blood and this obsession with this bloodthirsty God who was just so thirsty for the blood of a sacrifice. Um, and why did he even need the blood of a human sacrifice and? And, and and get yeah I, I don't want to go down that road but this is just too much in all of that and so I dealt with that earlier on um in this show in the first season but you know washing away the sins this sort of you know dirtiness filthiness this idea of seeing yourself and, and seeing us as black folks is filthy. And this concept that, 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 that we are, you know, and so how we used, we sort of very much mixed the dynamic and used the church house as a space to come and get done up and preached at and preached to about who we are and how we show up in the world. And so you go into these spaces, particularly in black Pentecostal churches, uh, where there is a constant commentary about women and how they ought to be, how they ought to show up and how they ought to, 
you know, be shamefaced and humble. I remember this uh this old bishop, Bishop S. C. Johnson, he used to say, Walk to the crown of pride. <laughs> you know, he he would you know be preaching these scriptures out of context, because that's what fundamentalists and biblical literalists do. Right? He's preaching the scripture out of context. He goes into Proverbs, he gets the script, Woe to the crown of pride. And then he starts preaching about all these things that women do that that he considers to be prideful. Wigs and nails and colors and paint and and eyelashes and eyebrows and makeup and, and and dresses and colorful clothes and all of that is pride and God don't want it because it's prideful and the focus should be on God and not on you. You dressing up this this unclean, wretched flesh when you should be holy and modest and shamefaced and women ought to be pregnant and barefoot and they should be saved in their child bearing and child rearing. And let not the outward adorning of a woman be that of gold and pearl and costly array, but let it be that of a meek and a quiet spirit. Come on, somebody, that's Bible. That's what they say. And so, you know, that preaching, that dynamic of this constant control that I saw of black women and black women in Pentecostal apostolic churches, like where they had to, or so-called holiness churches, especially the cult that I was in was called a holiness um, uh, cult, if you will. And so those women were completely stripped bare. Their hair had to be the way God made it. Nothing. Couldn't do nothing to it. Couldn't dye it. Couldn't cut it. Couldn't dye it. Couldn't cut Couldn't straighten it. Had to be the way God made it. Your eyebrows couldn't be done. That's vain. Vanity. Pride. You know, couldn't skirts had to be a certain amount of inches off the ground. You know, men and women uh, couldn't sit together in church. Women sat on one side and men sat on the other side. Uh, you know, a whole lot of rules, a whole lot of ideas, a whole lot of things. And, you know, we go to church pretty much and go there to get beat on verbally. Go there to get mentally and spiritually abused. We did it intentionally. Because we were told that if we if we get in there and we receive this verbal beating, then, then it is God stripping us. He is beating us with the word so that we might be holy enough. So that we would be, while, while we are being beat on with the scriptures and beat on with the words, and these texts are being used against us and against our bodies, we, though, are receiving this gladly. And we are changing and being changed by it so that we would reflect more of God by way of receiving this torture, this shame, this abuse in the name of God. Hallelujah. And that is holiness. And that is what we were supposed to do. That is how we were supposed to receive God. And, and there are many variations of this, but it's all the same. And no, your church might not have been extreme as mine was. But it still was fucked up and you were still being emotionally abused. And many of it was coming over the pulpit. And don't let you be a homosexual. You're getting it way worse than women. You're being considered a beast, a dog. Worse than a dog. A beast. 
an abomination. You stink in the nostrils of God. Because this is what my former pastor believed was his message that God gave him to give to the world. Basically to berate us. Black women got it the worst. Queer people got it. Queer men got it. Way worse than even black women. Because misogyny is misogyny. The hatred of women. Misogyny. Hatred of women. The more that we begin to reflect on the roots of a lot of this shit, it's the hatred of women. The hatred of that which is feminine. He would talk about how women, he went viral one time on all the little black blog sites. He was talking about how women are sluts, dressed like sluts and hoes, and they loud and they go into church dressed like strippers. And all that, all that, all that, all that, all that. And that's why it's imperative for us to continue to talk about this stuff. So when I'm looking at this mother on the bus stop, all that shame, degradation, judgment is the lens, the only lens through which I can see her in. You add the shame of that church experience to the shame that's put on us as black folks, fat folks, queer folks, women folk. <laughs> you add all of that shit to together. And you have a complete mud pie of absolute desperation. Hatred. Self-hatred. And pure evil. And it weighs on you like a ton of bricks. And because it weighs on you that way, how do you get up? How can you then run the race? You already feel, you feel now there is no purpose. You don't have a purpose. You don't have a reason for existing. I might as well die. I might as well die or give in to this God who is using, quotation marks, this man to berate and degrade me. And it's funny because I have to talk about the things that he used to say sometimes so that I don't get caught into believing it again or sliding back into it again and people will say how can you slide back into it with all you know how can you want to go back into it with all you know now you know better than that you do but that that whole going back to abusers thing is real cults are hard to leave That thing fed all my all my internalized self-hatred. All the shit that was already put on me in this world, in my life. Here comes this church, this man, this leader. 
who is above me, and now he is doing it better than anyone else ever could have. And I'm submitting to it. Because I already believe this shit about myself. And I believe this shit about God. And I have to. I have to submit myself to it. Don't matter how bad it is. I got to keep going. That's always been my thing. I, I have to keep going. It doesn't matter that it does not serve me anymore. I've got to find a way to go. The institution, I used to say the institution saved me. The institution provided community for me in a time where I needed it. Other than that, I saved me. I did the work and I did the work and I did it and I did it again and I did it again and I, and I, and I read and I watched and I read and I, and I read out loud. Um, and over enunciated so that I could learn how to speak without my tongue tripping up, without stuttering, without making, without sounding stupid as I thought, I did that. All as mechanisms of survival. I did the mask. I, I made the mask up. You know, I got in these churches and I sang. And I led worship, baby, to the Shekinah glory filled the temple. Sang the folks under the chairs and the pews, honey. Let them into worship. When you lead the people into worship and you're still not enough. You're still not holy. And some people will say, well, Christ came for us. And Christ is holy. We are striving and God, he makes us perfect in the sight of God. Maybe there's a lot more questions than that to be answered. My spiritual experience no longer exists or is wrapped around the idea of this angry, hateful God. But that's where it existed for a very long time. But I'm holy today. I'm holy because I made it. Because I made it. 34 years without a diagnosis. I was diagnosed at 34 years old. ADHD. Autism. OCD. Which are really all of these traits are connected to the autism. And the ways in which it has effectively. The way that it has affected me. And all the ways that it's affected me. And, and literally just burned me the fuck out running through the world pretending that nothing was wrong with me and that I wasn't bothered and I, I wasn't constantly falling apart submitting myself to, to overstimulation and abuse in the name of fixing myself 
fixing myself for God. I've got to fix myself. I've got to make myself holy enough. I've got to make myself good enough. So yeah, Joel, not just you. We define holy different. Thank you so much for listening. My friends, my people, I thank you so much for coming back every single time to sit with me, to listen, to be in the moment with me. I appreciate you all more than you ever know. Um, keep your head up. Be encouraged. And uh, this has been Surviving Fundamentalism. The podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely, you probably, no, you will have a problem with this shit. I am the right Reverend Richie X, and I will talk to you soon. So long, farewell to you, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.